Welcome to That's Deep Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. I'm Christina Pajitsky, your host. I am a stand-up comedian, and I also have a degree in philosophy. So two totally useless but fun things put together, one show just for you to help you, to help me. And so far, you guys have been digging the show, and I really appreciate that. Thank you for all your emails and your tweets. It's so nice to know that there are other weirdos out there in the world that care about stuff that nobody talks about. And I, I never understood the why people don't talk about the bigger picture questions more in life. To me, is there anything else to talk about? I mean, yes, I, I my other podcast, Your Mom's House with my husband, Tom Segura, we talk about the important issues like farting and wiping down and silly stuff. But, you know, to me, there's only there's only a few important things in life. There's talking about farts, and then talking about the meaning of existence. So, you know, what else is there? Thank you for listening. The show is now once a week, which is super exciting. I have so many great episodes that I've banked already so that I can kind of get ahead of myself so I don't scramble every week. Because as you know, I travel for a living. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm going to be on New Year's Eve. I'm going to be in Austin, Texas with my husband, Tom Segura. We're doing the Cap City Comedy Club for New Year's Eve and for uh, a few days after that. And then I'm going to be in San Francisco for Sketch Fest at the end of January. That should be pretty fun, right? Sketch Fest. And then Pittsburgh Improv, January 15th, the week of January 15th. Uh, if you'd like to see my touring schedule, go to ChristinaComedy.com. If you would like to support That's Deep Bro, which I hope you do, please go to my website, That's Deep Bro Podcast.com. And if you shop on Amazon, uh, please use my banner. I so implore you to do that because you, you have to shop on Amazon for all your needs. You know what I've been doing lately? I get... I automate like toothbrushes because it's so gross. Dude, it's so grody, by the way. If you're not replacing your toothbrushes monthly, it it's just foul. And I used to go for like, I don't know, six months with the same toothbrush. And then uh, one day I was like, you know, I can afford more than one toothbrush every six months. Like they're not that crazy of an expense. So, you know, it's a little treat. You get a fresh, a fresh foof brush in the mail. Come on, man. There's nothing better than that. Subscribe to my show. Give it five stars for fuck's sake. Come on. Come on. What else? Follow me on Twitter at Christina P. At Christina P. Uh, listen to your mom's house if you like farts and silliness because it's so much fun. <laughs> so anyways, on to business. Today, oh, this is like ground zero for That's Deep Bro. The minute I announced this podcast, I had so many people tweeting me, you must get Duncan Trussell on your show, you must have Duncan. And I finally nailed him down. I, you know, Duncan and I have known each other in the comedy world for years, but sometimes it's hard to get people in one place. And uh, we finally did it. And like, oh, I was so excited to talk to him for this show. I was like sweating the whole time in excitement because Duncan's brain, as you know, if you listen to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, which I hope you do. Uh, he's a fantastic stand-up comedian. Uh, for many years, I remember him at the comedy store <laughs> back when we were just open micers, and he had this dummy that he would get on stage with, little hobo. And uh, God, I hope I just said that right. But it was so funny, and he had this bit about fuck blob. <laughs> he put this like blob on his crotch, and he would have a fuck blob at all times, which is something I think everybody does need in life as a fuck blob. 
Duncan's brilliant, and uh, we get far out on this episode. I'm talking far out. So you better buckle up before you listen to this. Like, maybe just smoke a little bit of weed, or have a glass of wine, because your your brain is going to explode into a thousand pieces. And, and it's just so, oh, we get so deep on it, man. So there are two ideas in this episode that we reference. And then I, and during the episode, I'm like, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look this up. So there's two ideas we reference. One is uh, the brain in a jar or a brain in a vat uh, experiment. And what that is in philosophy, it's uh it's a thought experiment. It's the idea that I don't know. It's a way to simulate reality. Like, are we, if we could be a brain in a vat and a computer would stimulate parts of our brains to tell us we were running or to tell us that we were petting a dog, would we know the difference in reality? And a lot of philosophers like to use that argument as a way to philosophize. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot, some people would say, so I think this was originally brought up by Rene Descartes. Uh, the root of all evil is Rene Descartes and Western philosophy. He's the first man, first man, of course, you know, come on, these white guys, uh, to posit that maybe reality is a deception. And he, But he solves that problem, Rene Descartes, by saying, listen, we can't be deceived. This world is not a deceptive world. Why? Because God exists and God is omnipotent and omniscient and all, um, omniscient. That's the word, omniscient and, and all loving. God would not deceive us because God loves us. God is not a deceiver, therefore reality exists. Now, that's kind of a sticky argument because then you have to uh, figure out whether or not God exists in the first place. And, you know, if you believe that, then the argument works. So a lot of times the brain in a vat argument uh, is used and it's originated by Descartes and the philosopher. It says Putnam is the dude who refers to it as well. I'm looking this up on the internet. That's how I'm cheating. I should be looking at books, but, you know, too lazy. Also, the second argument we refer to is George Barclay, and it's spelled like Berkeley, but I'm pretty sure because he's English and fancy, it's pronounced Barclay. And what happened in this period of philosophy uh, is that a lot of people were like, how do we know stuff? There's uh, the perceiver, right? There's like this material object in the world. And then because of Descartes ruining philosophy, <laughs> people decided to separate the material object from the idea of that object, which is also in Plato too. The idea being there's this immaterial thing, I guess, the idea of the thing separate from the thing. And uh, Barclay basically says, look, forget about knowing whether or not the actual thing exists. What matters is that the idea of the thing exists. There's the perceiver and then there's just the idea, guys. And how do I know that? Well, because God exists. And God, we share one mind with the universal whatever creator. God's not a deceiver. God is awesome. Therefore, the system sticks together. So, you know, God is a really nice way to plug in a solution in philosophy. And a lot of these modern period philosophers did that. And then came the postmodern period where people were like, what? That shit's crazy. And that's not really what happened. I'm sure there's people <laughs> with PhDs in philosophy just cringing right now at my explanation of this stuff. Again, cocktail party level philosophy, guys. This is as deep down the rabbit hole as I can go on this stuff because it's been a few years since I've studied it. Um, so those are two pieces of background. Just to keep that in mind for our discussion. And we get into all kinds of crazy shit, man. <laughs> 
crazy shit. Gnosticism. Is God a benevolent, loving force? Are there boundaries between people or are we the same person? Is there a soul? Is there a self? Is there the self we know? Is there an underlying self? What about, what about reincarnation? What the hell is that? And, and why does evil exist? Does evil exist? Or is it just part of the perfection of the universe? Well, we're going to find out now with the amazing Duncan Trussell. I believe he's on, let me see, DuncanTrussell.com. Listen to him on uh, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Buckle up, kittens. It's about to get weird. <laughs> I'm an alligator I'm a mama papa coming for you I'm a space invader I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you Keep your mouth shut Just walking like a big monkey bird And I'm busting up my brains for the world Holy shit. The, um, I've been basically since I started doing this podcast, people have been tweeting me about you. You have to get Duncan Trussell. You must get Duncan Trussell. So this is like, cool. this is awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, by the way, when I say here, I mean, we're in your studio. I'm in ground zero of, this is awesome. You've got your guru here. Yes. Yep. Neem Carely Baba. Is here in the room with us. Chilling. Chilling. Enjoying life. Karoli Baba, god damn it. I always say his name wrong. I get chastised by like people who actually met not chastised, but like you know you're saying his name wrong. Every what is it? Time. Corolla? It's it's Adam Corolla. <laughs> no, it's Adam Corolla Baba jeans. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. Uh Karoli, Neem Karoli Baba, also known as Maharaji. Which now is interesting because I started listening to Ramdas, or some people say Ramdas, which yes. I don't think is how you fucking pronounce that. Yeah, I, some people do, especially if they're related to you. Like if my dad, <laughs> Ramdas, why are you paying? Why do you read that Ramdas <laughs> bullshit? Right, it is like uh, it is like that. So, but okay, so I've been yeah listening to Ramdas, and this is his guru. That's right. Yeah, that's his guru. That's the guy who transformed his consciousness from that of the um, sort of uh, Harvard professor, the apostate Harvard professor who had been so affected by LSD that he ended up going through India trying to get people to, uh, people of different philosophies and religions to help him understand what that state of consciousness was. I love that. So that's a great starting point. Now, normally I have... I, I do research on a topic, wow. and I come pr- like prepared, and I try to lead this discussion. But I feel the Duncan Trussell experience here <laughs> wouldn't I wouldn't be doing you service if I came in here with an agenda. Oh well, I mean <laughs> agendas aren't bad either. But thanks. I, 
Yeah. Well, I have I have kind of an idea of where I wanted to go because I have just been starting to get into Buddhism and listening to Ramdas. Um, I right. love Marianne Williamson. Yeah. And uh, what is it called? The Course in Miracles. Oh God, that's mind blowing. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm just now on this journey this year. Um, and I think the distinction between the East and West, if I would start with that, is uh, in the West, Descartes kind of ruined philosophy by <laughs> the cogito of saying, I think, therefore, I exist, mm. meaning thought is the basis for everything. I, if I am thinking, that makes me aware, that makes me. And the East mm. goes, no, you're thinking, but you're also being. And I think being is the primary thing, and thought happens. Right. Is kind of what I'm learning. So the distinction between the thinker and the thought is really important. Right. The self that we identify with, and then there's another self. Holy shit. Right. The, and that's called the, there's different names for that. And that's one, one name is the Atman and the Para Atman, or what's the soul and the super soul, or like the true identity. And that's, that's in uh, Hinduism. Uh, and that's a, that's one way of talking about what Descartes had tuned in on, which is a great. I, I don't think I think that's a great step forward yeah. to understand that our ability to recognize reality does not necessarily match what reality is. Like a, so, there's well, a distinction. There's a distinction. Yeah, and I think it's cool that he. You know, he's like, we walk on a path and someone sees a stick, but it could be a snake. So we could see that mm. our um, senses aren't always right. And wasn't it Descartes who said, um, for all we know, we could just be uh, a brain in a jar. Or we yes, could just be being that. controlled by some evil overlord who's... He, he said something weird like that. There's a theory that... Yeah, I think it was at Barclay, I think, started that idea of, like, if, if something isn't being watched, how do we know it exists? If a tree falls in the woods, yeah, if the... I, yeah, sorry, I'll have to go back and look at it. But the, essentially that we could be in the Matrix right now and not know it. That's kind of that's the essence it. of it. it it's yeah. a, and, and that idea traces back to uh, Gnosticism, which is Ooh, the idea like of a... This is... I just did this great podcast with Graham Hancock, and he talks about... Uh, the idea that the god worshipped by all the world religions is in fact a trickster god called the Demiurge that... What is that? Oh, <laughs> shit. That was so scary. Well, I, I know. It. I was like, I you let... really hit on something. I, I, I love Whoa! Finally, the universe <laughs> is applauding. Uh, the, uh, the, so yeah, it's the idea that the god that people were, the god, the Jehovah, yeah. is in fact a kind of malevolent, what? super intelligent, evil, twisted being that has convinced everyone that he is God and that has gotten everyone to worship him, when in fact he is something called the Demiurge, a kind of malfunctioning entity that has corrupted the universe that we're currently in, has hypnotized us. Into Sorry, God as we know it, like by by calling it, the being that we know is God in all religions is actually a trickster is what you're saying. It's a kind of advanced, you could even look at it if you want to use modern terms, instead of calling it a God, you could say that a very ancient alien force has convinced humans on the planet that it is a divine being with the intention of manipulating them, harvesting fear from them, yes. controlling them, and he gets off on power. And I was asking Graham Hancock, well, you know, why do you, why, why, why would it, why would that exist? Hmm. Why would a God do that? And he's like, well, 
you know, think of people that you say that you're, you know, when you tell the wrong person you're doing great. It mm. crushes their brain. You can watch them <laughs> wince. Their face falls. Yeah. They're so upset by the yeah. success of people in the world. He said, why do you think that's limited to humans? Yeah. What if, and in fact, some super intelligent, you know, malevolence has actually is so upset about the potentiality of human beings and what we can do that it is actively trying to subvert that and move us in the direction of dual <laughs> duality or dualism. Right. And we could be inside of that. We could we could be existing in a complete holographic universe where we're actively being tricked by a alien intelligence into thinking that we're limited <sighs> beings. And that's deep, bro. That just blew my fucking mind right now. <laughs> I've never heard this theory and I'm not sure but I'm not sure what the utility it now on the converse of that, that could be possible. That's totally possible. That's in one possible world. Now the other possible world is the one in which I'm pretty sure your your guru yeah. would agree with the idea that we are one being connected, right? Yes. We are actually Course in Miracles would call it thoughts in the mind of God. We are, in essence, God created in form. And it's like God having a conversation with himself. Yeah. And then we we eventually go back to the source of God. Now, but that's not negative force. That's all love. That's actually considered a positive force. Now, my problem with this way of thinking is why? Why would God? Why? What? What need does God have to manifest us as beings in this? Like, why would He need to separate from Himself, in essence, to create us, to create right. Jesus, yeah. whatever, to learn these lessons, to come back in different forms and reincarnate over and over and over again, yeah. and to finally merge with Him? Well, is God a vain, narcissistic piece of shit? Then? Well, I mean, it, it feels like that the God you're talking about is so logical and so um, human, you know, and and if you really just look at what's happening right now, there's a kind of explosion of somethingness coming into the nothingness and little bits of the somethingness like you and me Mm. have a personality and a consciousness and things that we want. And there's things that we do where if you look at what you're doing while you're doing it, you'll think, why the fuck am I doing this? Am I some kind of fucking narcissist? Am I seriously on stage right now performing for people? I struggle with that constantly. There you go. Every day. And because you and me and everyone on earth and everyone that exists in the universe is part of some whole, then it's safe to say that at least one fractional infinitesimal portion of that whole is vain and narcissistic and confused and caught up in the self. So if if it's, you know, this is in the, uh, there's a great alchemical text that's really quick and simple, but you can, it's one of those things you can think about forever. Mm. And it's called the, and it's a, it's called the, I'm probably going to mispronounce it. It's called the Emerald Tablet of Trimestagerius. Have you ever heard of this before? No. So it's Trimestagerius or something like a trimester. Trime- is it like a third? Tri- it's a weird name, but it's a... <laughs> I'll look it up and I'll uh, cite it. Trimestagerius. I, I, I might be completely fucking up his name, but the uh, f- there, it's all these sort of precepts that go into the concept of alchemy. And the very first one is as above, so below. Mm-hmm. Or it's the idea that there, we live in a kind of fractal universe and in contained within every bit of data in the universe, every every quantum bit of information, which is what we are, just clouds of information, mm. encoded in the very depth of that is sort of the signature of the creator. And yes. so you can understand 
the creator uh, or whatever that you want that or the universe or the consciousness of the universe or whatever force it is that sentience that allows for for uh, self-awareness to happen you could say well whatever that force is whether temporary or eternal it must have the same personality that I have and want at least partially because I am part of it mm-hmm. and this is who I am so in other what, what I'm saying is yeah why would God do it we're sort of at the crest of the wave of being God right now. We're the emergence of whatever eternity is into time. And in that moment, that is what God is. It's not, or is there higher intelligence functioning in this moment? Well, it's as, I guess it's as high as your intelligence is here in this place. It's whatever that is or whatever your innate self is, uh, which is the observer that you were talking about in the beginning, the kind of, here are my thoughts. Here is the awareness of my thoughts, pure expansiveness, mm. and that—that's. Uh, but the problem with that con- that concept is um, the concept of the self and the observer of the self, which is, is considered to be an in-between place that you get right. to before you merge into complete unity with all things to get to right. that point. And, and these Ramdas, these guys talk about seven levels of consciousness, even. I mean, we're on what? Negative one? Being a person is like... Oh, right. (laughs) Just being in the flesh and and just worrying about taking shits and drinking a coffee. And I wonder what I'm going to eat today. All that stuff is very banal. And then there's the level of like, I don't know, when you first die and then you go to the astral plane. And then there's like that fucking level, man. And then, I mean, I don't don't know much about that. Sorry, if I deterred... You didn't deter me at all. Take you on no, a different. I, I'm, no, I'm. All I, right, I love what you're saying because you're you're. There's a uh, this thing called the samsaric mandala, which is uh, this beautiful mandala which represents um, uh, the cycle of endless birth and death that happens not just in the totality of a person's life, but in every single moment. And so the center of the wheel has within it what is considered the three hindrances or the three things that are going to get in the way of you waking up. And it's like anger, uh, which is represented as a, a snake because a snake Ooh, will strike at anything. True. And uh, attachment, which is represented as a bird. It's a type of bird that gets really attached to its mate. And then the third hindrance, I believe, is it's a pig. So it's... Um, <laughs> It's a the, the image de- depicted as a pig, and it's like ignorance or, or or always being never being satisfied, delusion. The idea of like, I, I can't remember what the pig represents. But yes, there's an idea in Buddhism. They uh, what did the fuck duke dukkha 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 right this Life craving is, this endless cycle of oh, yeah. once I get this then I'll go uh, ga, 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 ga. That, the wheel the hamster wheel that's it that's the hamster wheel that we're on and yeah. then right around that those three fundamental hindrances is, uh, I think, four quadrants. And in one quadrant is maybe five. It's demigods are pictured. And the demigods, the image of the demigods is really cool because these are disembodied beings that are experiencing such high levels of pleasure that they it's impossible for them to wake up because they're getting such like incredible levels of sense gratification that the, the, the concept of trying to 
abandon the ego or dissolve into mm, unity right. is something that does, doesn't even come into their mind. And then there's the image of like the Buddhas or the gods. That's another potential uh, state of um, consciousness. And then there's the hell realm, uh, which is the hell of hungry ghosts. And it's this like being with a very long neck and a weird head and the hungry ghosts are beings that in the hell realms have this insatiable appetite anything they can think of will appear but the more they eat it the hungrier they get so they're in this just constant state of trying to like satiate themselves using food it's like they're basically cannibalizing themselves then another quadrant is the hell realms and then the other quadrant is the human realm and the human realm which we're in right now is considered to be the most desirable form of birth because in all these other realms waking up or merging into uh, whatever it is becoming what your true identity is this is the of all the births this is the one that you can really do that and so it's considered to be the most precious incarnation hmm. is a human incarnation because animals are so driven by their instincts you know mm -hmm. it's they don't meditate they're not they're always eating sleeping mating and defending mm -hmm. that's their main mm -hmm. prerogative so yeah, so that idea of the hierarchy being, oh, God, this, the astral plane is the plane where you got to get to because that's right. where it's pure enjoyment. It, well, sure, but you're still going to be, according to Buddhism, facing the same four noble truths. Oh, in every, every incarnation or every level of being. Let's say you're at the God level, you're still going to deal with God problems, right? Exactly. Mo money, mo problems. That's it. And that, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. You're going to deal with the one, this, the, the whole samsaric mandala, it keeps going out. There's more and more rings explaining all the sort of the explosion of uh, illusion that comes out of these three hindrances, but the it's always in the hands of this beast, this monstrous thing, which is eating the mandala. <laughs> and that monstrous thing is impermanence. And so Yo the boy. point of it is that whether you're a god, an animal, whether you're in hell, no matter where you are in this uh, mandala that is part of being a human, mm -hmm. you're in a state of constantly being dissolved or aerosolized by time. You are Change is the nature. Yes. Heraclitus, no man steps in the same river twice. I did an episode with Ryan Sickler about change and the nature of change and how a human deals with change. So I think actually now is a good time to kind of take a step back. Some of you might, your heads might be exploding with like, what the fuck are these two stoners talking about? <laughs> they fell asleep at the wheel. More like they're just sleeping and running into telephone poles. Like, what the fuck? Like, the, yeah, sorry, guys. We got, we got, I think we were ahead of ourselves. We got varsity level. And let me, let me back that ass up. I think, I think the idea that we're both kind of discussing Duncan and I, and we're, we're doing a shorthanded like, oh yes, yeah, we're too excited. Right. I'm too excited to be here. Is the problem? Ah. Um, you're born. You might feel that uh, wow. There's this isn't is that all there is? There is that sense of like, what what is this? Um, who am I? What do I? Th whatever. And then there's this idea of the soul, right? Aristotle, the Greeks even had this in the West. Well, actually, no, the Greeks are Eastern. And then we co-opted this idea of a soul. But in the West, we took it to a different place. The East goes, yeah, there's a soul. And guess what? You are, your job as a human is to kind of evolve that soul. Every time you come back, you're going to burn off karma. Or you're going to learn certain lessons in this human form. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that eventually... 
you're going to kind of learn these lessons, I guess, enough so that you're going to go back to the source from whence you came, mm. from the original source, which is God or yes. whatever name you call it. Everybody, we call it different shit, but basically the source is God. So I think that's what, that just <laughs> some of you are a lot, that's what we're talking about. And this mandala, I think this idea that you're discussing is, I mean, there's also parts to being human, right? You get caught up in greed. You get caught up in what's going to make me happy? What's mm-hmm. the next thing? And I know I had this kind of crisis a few months ago. I was doing a lot of stand-up. I was thought, I'm, I'm really successful now. Oh, I'm going to get this TV show now. Now I'm going to be happy. Yes. And I had this kind of crisis where I was like, oh, shit, I'm not fucking happy. Mm. I got what I wanted, and I'm still not happy. Is that all there is? And I've been on this journey ever since then. What Then how does one live a happy life is it being non-attached and i'm working on that is it kind of realizing that everything is change but i don't want to feel empty either i don't want to be like just flatlining you know and that's yeah. also part of being a human is to enjoy the human incarnation like where we are right now the suffering and all that shit. yes and how do you deal with that mm. i think that's where i'm at that's where i'm at what a great place to get to <sighs> Are you, you're like I feel like you've been there and you're on, you're in the next town. No, I well you know there the um, it what's so cool about it is that you there it, the you the mind creates a very complicated map of everything. So whether the mind is you present the mind with something as mundane as like doing the dishes. If as you're doing the mm. dishes you think about it. Like, if you get really stoned and do the dishes, and you start thinking <laughs> right. about the movement of your hands, and you start thinking about everything that you're doing, you could almost, like, get confused a little bit when you are that conscious of uh, your actions or what you're doing. And that's because the mind has now gotten involved with whatever it is you're doing. And uh, they just did a study on basketball players, and they've done the same study with musicians, too, to see what the brain looks like for people who are professionals and people who are just learning – and the brain activity in the professionals is much, much less. Like, <laughs> really? I thought you were going to say the opposite. No, because no, because <laughs> they've done it so many times that it has become something that they don't have to think about anymore. And wow. from that, they are able to be perfect. And in the same way that when, if you really want to understand how beautiful non, not getting in the mind is or not allowing yourself to identify with the mind, look at a river. Like, Mm. get in an inner tube and float down a river and notice how perfectly the river will move the inner tube Mm. around obstacles or what the river is doing is perfect. No one looks at a river and says, oh, God, look at that clumsy river. Have you ever seen such a clumsy river in your life? And the river has no brain. The river has no body. The river is just pure output from uh, the source, as you say. And you can see with no hindrance, a river functions perfectly. So... The idea of like a town ahead or the idea that there's this, um, uh, there's a, a kind of like end goal when it comes to Right, like will I eventually up. stop wanting shit? When, when will I be whole, Duncan Trussell? Uh. When will I not care what other people think of me? When will I not want more? Well, more money, more success, more, more, but more. But you want that now. And that's, so, and I think the beginning of the, process is getting out of this idea of like when i stop wanting this stuff that's when i'll be doing great it's more like oh wow look you want all this stuff and i get it and i understand why you want it and i forgive you for wanting that stuff and i (laughs) and i love you still and you love yourself you know and that's what you do so you start when these Mm. things emerge that normally you're like 
beating yourself up over throughout the day, you realize that since the river is perfect, you must be perfect too. Yet there seems to be this part of your mind, the judger, the judgmental part, there's a part of your mind that for whatever reason feels like it needs to constantly be at war with itself. And mm. that part of your mind is... Uh, the part of your that's what you have to start loving and actively loving well that part of the mind that this is also where i get kind of caught up in this whole system is called the ego yeah now what happens the theory being that you're born into the world let's say you're born and you really have the selflessness of the river that you're talking about yeah there's no really awareness like when you're a baby you just exist you yes. be and then society socializes you Yes, no, Duncan, you must use your napkin. Right. Don't say that to such and such and stand up straighter. You should be more outgoing yes. and you should be a football player. And why aren't you like so-and-so? And you internalize these messages until you're an adult and you're like, huh? <laughs> like you're just an insecure ball of whatever or you judge yourself yes. instead of accepting. Um, so my thing is, oh, yes, I was listening to Ramdas and this woman said, Ramdas, how do we love ourselves more? And he goes, it's not about loving, it's about accepting those mm. parts of you that your ego, in essence, kind of tricks you. Why, why is the ego such a shit talker? What is that? Why? Why is, it in, why is our nature of our minds kind of inherently evil, like the Gnosticism you were discussing? That kind of is a nice explanation of why the, why the thinker is such a piece of shit. Mm. Why are we having to transcend our own minds all the time? Well, I mean, in the last minute you insulted that part of yourself oh god damn it at least three times so <laughs> imagine did. imagine like a child you see a child right yes a and you see the child in, a a in the eighth grade and it's a terror and it's doing horrible things and spray painting the wall and it's just a real shithead right yeah yeah so how do you make that child stop spray painting the wall how do you make that child stop shoplifting or whatever the outrageous things it's doing is do you go to the child and bring him to an office and say you are a piece of <laughs> shit what are you doing to this high school that's what my parents did yeah, right <laughs> did that work no doesn't work so in the same way this yeah, part of yourself true. you're talking about that's is true. like a rampaging teenager that is running through yeah. the halls of your consciousness spray painting ridiculous things everywhere and just essentially acting like a spoiled brat right and your whole life but you have been doing exactly what your parents did to you and yep. you to that part of yourself. And so now you're like, you piece of shit. What's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? And you, you, yes. if you watch the way you talk to yourself, you'll see, oh, oh it's horrendous. Listen, listen to how you talk to yourself. We, my yeah. husband and I were talking about this today. You, I, sometimes I wouldn't talk to my dog the way I talk to myself. Yeah, that's right. Which is right. unfortunate, but go ahead. That's I, exactly right. And right. so why then... Why then do we turn on ourselves in such a vicious way? And this is in the Bible when Jesus says, a house, a house divided among itself cannot stand. Mm. And um, if you ever get into Gurdjieff, you'd love him. He's an oh, amazing yeah. like, uh, mystic who uh, talked about the I Start thinking hmm. of awakening as preparing a house, a mansion filled with servants for the arrival of the master. So... The you're essentially it's like you've come to a place where the owner has gone and it's in disarray. The servants are run amok. The cook isn't cooking. The the maids aren't cleaning. No one's doing anything right. Everything's in confusion, and the process is 
to recognize that these parts of your mind that you're seeing are actually, they're not um, things to be chastised, but they're huge, huge allies for you. If only you can begin to love them or convert them into something wonderful. And so that's the practice is like, instead of being at war with this house, you're like, guys, let's get ready because (laughs) the master is coming. And the master in this idea is you. It's your awakened self. And you're actually preparing the house of your life for the aware uh, for the for the uh, return of your true identity, and mm, part of that is recognizing these crazy part, the fucking angry self, the guilty self, the lonely, the self. shamed, oh, blah yeah. blah blah. Because yeah. I do have it's funny I have a recollection of myself at four when I was <clears throat> in that state of being. Do, I don't know if you do you remember yourself as a pure as a child where you I was yes. a pure being. Yeah. Before adolescence, <clears throat> before the world kind of blah, 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 got in there a little bit. That's right. Yeah. You were a pure, and you know, this is, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, you know, people, they know the great occult masters, Aleister Crowley. Uh, they know the, the, they know about, or they have the concept of what a, a magician or someone who practices magic uh, or a mystic would look like but if you really want to know what a mystic looks like all you have to do is look at a baby and mm-hmm. look at a child and look at the power that they wield a child <laughs> begins to weep and instantaneously the universe bends over wow. backwards right. to help the child instantaneously the child um, is completely immersed in fantasy has imaginary friends in other words it has contact with spirits mm-hmm. is actively having conversations with uh, entities from other dimensions and simultaneously uh, looks at the world as a completely benevolent safe place not all children of course some kids <clears throat> very quickly they aren't they're, whatever their karma is they don't get to experience the uh, great parents or, or even moderately good parents but for most kids it's a benevolent universe that mm-hmm. fills anything that they want is instantaneously uh, given to them. But mm-hmm. what they want is so amazingly simple, mm-hmm. which is just love, sustenance, and shelter. So, yeah, you, th- it's a very odd thing to see that we're born as these incredibly powerful magicians, these incredibly powerful occult masters who live in a benevolent universe that actually formed them out of effortless uh, effortlessness. I mean, the idea that they were just somehow woven together in the womb by taking margaritas crazy, and right? bread, whatever you <laughs> right. Two cells. Yeah. The sperm and the egg. Did you know that in the minutes before conception, the egg rises to meet the sperm? Like it's so perfect. Yeah, it's perfect because the universe is perfect and the universe is perfect beyond anything we can understand. And then from that state of effortlessness and that incredible genetic dance, this thing emerges into the universe that is instinctually practicing the most high forms of magic or the most high forms of a worship to the universe and then for whatever reason there is a function in society where that is subverted in mm. varying degrees, <clears throat> shifted and we call that becoming an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a sensible job. Yeah. I, yes, I remember when I started studying philosophy, um, I heard over and over, what are you going to do with that? Well, you can't make money. <laughs> yeah. And, the, suddenly, and that's the first time I really heard from the culture that doing something for the sake of itself wasn't valued, like because there's no value. Just much like 
motherhood and people who stay home to raise their children, they feel shamed yes. for it. If there's no compensation for it, why are you doing it, yeah. nerd? Like, yeah. Yes. Right. So think about that because that's a really cool thing to think about because that's an aspect of the conditioning that most people are mm-hmm. subject to, which is the notion that the uh, compensation, which is money, uh, that so what they've done is their God is, is money. And so they think that the sign of a person's success in the universe is accruing mm-hmm. these energy tokens. And so if you have these symbolic energy tokens coming in, Regardless of the activity, somehow you have more respect than if those energy tokens aren't coming in, right. and that's a, a <laughs> very fascinating part of the of the uh, of the conditioning because the obviously the the way the universe brings uh, happiness to you is not gen- is generally not through energy tokens. It's no. you falling in love, yes. having a child being outside, experiencing those weird moments. Connectivity. Exercise. Connection, yeah. Being hydrated. Yeah, (laughs) right. These very simple, simple things are the true compensation that the universe gives you for living a good life. But and so you see the weird conditioning is that most people they don't they've forgotten all those things mm-hmm. and they're just stuck on the energy tokens and so when you're not getting them <laughs> the energy if, tokens I love that man did you come up with that I, yeah, I, I just love it. it energy tokens Ooh, yeah. far out man yeah it's far out we're getting weird I love it but it is weird isn't it and it's yes. but it's absolutely true because obviously that's the number one I was just talking to a friend of mine and he was like really upset over energy tokens and like somebody had like <laughs> wasn't giving him enough energy tokens uh, where's my energy tokens and guess what the more you got the more the government wants to take it from you yeah the government's taking all my energy tokens <laughs> how am i ever gonna live with all my energy tokens going to the government <laughs> meanwhile you're in this beautiful universe yeah. of pure abundance that yes. is just in just all you have to do is go outside and look at it, anything no matter what it is a rock a tree anything and imagine that there was only one of those things in the universe mm-hmm. imagine that and that would be the most incredible thing you'd ever laid eyes on in your entire life but because we see there being so many trees and so many so much uh, matter and so many forms that the matter is taking that we we take it for granted and we don't recognize that we are walking through a paradise that is exploding with novelty we just don't see that mm-hmm. you know because we're, our eyes are firmly fixed on the symbolic representations mm-hmm. of abundance and one of those symbolic representations is energy tokens mm-hmm. another symbolic re- representation of what's happening to us is a clock another thing that people worship is this mm-hmm. re- I hate time it's amazing. Ah, uh, time's the worst. Uh, <laughs> but don't we work to, oh, think of the potency that that clock has I know. on your life. Because how many times do you find yourself rushing to something? I hate it. I ha- and absolutely hate that. And that's another idea that I've started to understand more is the idea that we are timeless beings. And I think, all right, how do we explain this properly? Um like what we're talking about, how you were talking about, if you go outside and there's the matter in the form of the tree and there's energy tokens and all of these things. The idea behind Buddhist theory is that this is all, we're all one. <laughs> Let's yeah. face it. If you, like I'm looking at Duncan and he's wearing clothes and he's wearing the suit of a man. 
this lifetime. He's a guy with a beard. Yeah. He's got a cool house. He's got the cute girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like all these things, makeup, Duncan. But if we go deeper and deeper and deeper into his mind, into my mind, into the dog's mind, and da, 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 we're all one. Right. We're all one form of energy. That's right. Now, how come... But then how come all this other shit? How, how do we get so mixed up? How did human beings get to worship the energy tokens and not recognize that? And why do Westerners, maybe, that's the question. Oh, my God, who knows? That's a bigger fucking... I just opened Pandora's box. I can feel the uh, box you, opening. You mean, like, there's... <laughs> it's everywhere. It's, the, it's, it's, the, it's everywhere. It, the, there's, no, there's no better place as if you have been born into this universe than you are <sighs> initially experiencing... Maya, the, the name for the universe, which means illusion mm-hmm. uh, or personified illusion that's actively trying to trick you. So The dream. They call it the hallucination or this is the dream, right? This is the dream. And yeah. so here we are in a dream. And there you are. And it, and it seems at first it's like that. But the, and, and why are we so interested in creating this uh, symbolic representation that we allow to exist as our universe instead of being in the moment and experiencing this thing that's outside of language, outside of time, outside of articulation. Why don't we like spending any time there? Why are we always staring at our phones and looking at digitized representations of reality? Mm. It's just zillions of ones and zeros that have been woven together by technology to create a simulated reality why are we so we love it we love it we (laughs) love not being here so why well i think it's the same reason that you like to sleep late i think some people they're here to enjoy a kind of uh um uh hypnotized state of sense gratification that involves looking at their phones it involves being completely uh, ridiculous and asleep, and that's fucking great. Not only is that great, if it's it's uh, none of our business no. when when to judge them because or to judge ourselves because it's just varying aspects of this one consciousness living out this beautiful dream, this beautiful moment. And I think for some, wherever you are, is exactly where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect which is what Neem Karali Baba said. He, this is perfect. What we're in right now is absolute perfection. And the great koan or riddle of the universe is understanding that. Just mull that. Let that roll around in your mm-hmm. mind the next time you're watching a video of mm-hmm. an Ebola camp where people are lying <laughs> in the mud, yeah. shitting out their guts. And right. think to yourself, how is this perfect? Why is this perfect? How can I see this as perfect, the most depraved, awful, disgusting thing. How? And then I think from that inability to do it, you can get an idea of where you're at. You can get an idea of where your blocks are Mm -hmm. or where your notion of how the universe should be or your expectations are limiting your ability to experience the perfection. I understand the the concept of like the perfection, the shit needing to be there with the good. But I also don't want to deny my feelings about bad stuff. You know, I feel like it's really easy to be dismissive of suffering in the world and be yeah. like, yeah, but it's all perfect, man. Like, you know, and yeah. it, that's dangerous, too, isn't it? To become cold or, or so, so non-attached that we don't feel anything. Well, I think that it's dangerous to have a idea that you live in a universe that is malevolent 
if you the Gnostic the version. Gnostic. That's a terrifying universe. Uh, yeah, Duncan. that's a terrifying universe, <clears throat> and that universe to live in that universe uh, um, will create a paranoid life, and and so then what you're picking out of the sprawl of. Uh, the infinite sprawl of matter around us. What you're, what you're going to start picking out is paranoid. Yes. The paranoid things, and so I, I think that if you wanted to change the world and you wanted the world to be, uh, or you wanted to, you wanted the world to be more perfect or more loving or more benevolent, then uh, you then you would have to start. You would have to since you're the little quadrant of the universe that you actually uh, have control over, right. you would have to heal that quadrant first. So whatever Ebola camps are inside of you, right. where, oh, wow. you, you know, where the rotting, moldering, destruction, death, greed, selfishness, awfulness, horror, wherever the Illuminati lives inside of you, you start by converting that. Uh, and from that conversion, it doesn't create a numb state of appraising the world and being like, everything's perfect. Just fucking die. <laughs> but you, you look at those, right. you look at those scenes and you think, what can I do to make these people better? What is something I could do to help whatever the situation my consciousness is being attached to in the world? Is there anything that I can do? Anything. And then do it. Then actually do it. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that doesn't come from a state of numbness. That comes from a state of moving in the direction of perfection, being perfection, allowing yourself to embody the healing function of the universe as much as you can. And that I don't think that's that's numbness. I think it's comes from an acceptance that you are that the universe weren't as perfect. P.S. I have not gotten there. I don't see this shit as perfect. I'm fucking. <laughs> no, I don't. No. I don't see it as perfect <laughs> a lot of the time. Well, and here's my here's my one argument against perfection and against a benevolent God. Now, I, I studied. When I did Western philosophy, I did every proof for the existence of God. I spent an entire year reading every fucking proof for the existence of God. Right. And I found more evidence against him obviously existing than for, because it's not a rational, logical thing. You can't prove God's existence through a series of arguments and proofs. But, but, the one thing that I just cannot reconcile is the existence of profound evil. And I'm not talking... What's evil? What? what there we go. I know, and I agree. There's there's gradations of it. Okay, but think of the most evil thing. Here, raping kids. Okay, so there's child rapers. Yeah. Okay, so because there, so that this is so okay, right? So here, so right. I mean, That's a toughie. No doubt. Even it, though the Greeks were child rapers, weren't they? Oh, you know, if you <laughs> if you say that to the, I I, yeah, I did Dan Harmon's podcast <laughs> I, and, and and talked about how I can't remember. What, I think it was Socrates, or I think Socrates yeah. was a, a pedophile. Had a boy. They all did. You should have seen the <laughs> furious response from his fans because he has the smartest fans and so on Reddit his, the, the the Dan Harmon page there was this huge huge thread about what an asshole I was for calling <laughs> Socrates a pedophile and then pointing out all these ways that he wasn't and like these are oh, a lot boy. of like academic people being like no he's you know here's the proof that he never did that and it's like shit man that's a great fan base they're people <laughs> who get angry if you talk so shit about up. Socrates yeah. but um, Who knows? We don't know. We, but the point is, you and I never met Socrates. But common practice back in that day was to have a, a boy as a sexual partner. Well, that's he, the common practice. So sh- he would have been counter 
common practice. There's a great Louis. Would you rather? Let me ask you this. Would yeah. you? Have, would you, if you had a child, you, do you have a child? No. If you had a child, and, um, and I think Louis C.K. kind of has, has a joke like this. Uh, but if you had a child and you could choose between the child drowning, or, or the child being raped, mm. which would you pick? Well, one robs you of. A functional life okay I mean I've never been sexually molested but I know I've listened to people who have been and it can rob you of the person you were supposed to be if someone if this ever comes up where someone comes yeah. to you and says listen you have to decide today Duncan's either gonna drown or he's gonna be raped pick rape Please, I can handle it. Please, I don't want to die. I like it here. I like it here. You would rather get raped by Socrates? Is that what you're saying? Abs- oh, yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be rape. It's not rape if you want it. But, but the, 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 so my point is, right. look at the ocean, right? The ocean, at this very moment, is drowning children like it is the uh, its hobby. Just drowning them, throwing them against rocks. Shocks, sharks are eating children. It's happening. I don't know if sharks are eating children, but I'm, I'm sure, sure right now at this moment at least five kids are drowning somewhere in the world. So the, the ocean is not evil. The, the but it's o- not capable of choosing otherwise. The ocean is not a rational being. Well, here's where it gets trippy. This is the idea of choice. This is where you get into a really fascinating place, which is how much of what I do is actually a choice. Right. Now, this is not to say that uh, there is no defense for raping a child in the, in, in the world that I live in. And if you rape a child, then, you know, it, you need to be in jail or not existing in a dimension where there's children. It's heavy-duty karma. This is a thought experiment that we're doing right now. So anyone listening, I don't want to – I hope – I don't want people to be like, Duncan thinks yeah. child raping's okay. Guys. Clearly, it's the most vile thing there yeah. is. Disclaimer. No, nobody's advocating child no rape. One this is. is for the sake of a philosophical discussion. So, yeah, so, okay. so, yeah, so, no children are going to get raped in this discussion. Go ahead. But the, there is one thing that you cannot deny. The child rapist is as much a part of the universe as the ocean is. Uh, the difference being that the child rapist has a brain and the child rapist apparently has the ability to choose. But if you look at what that child rapist is and you zoom into the child rapist, what you find is this essentially a fog of information, genetic information, atomic information, quantum particles swirling together in some kind of way that has formed the neurology of a monster that likes to rape children. Where did it go wrong? At what point did the universe become evil? Did the universe become evil when the Big Bang happened and the potentiality and that singularity for child rapists when exploding out and some part of that essential matter or initial matter converted into child rapists over the course of billions of years? Where did the universe become evil? Well, I guess it became evil at the moment it could choose between right and wrong. And that's generally the definition of evil, even though they're finding from uh, studying human neurology that decisions seem to be made um, moments before people decide they're, they're, when they, before they think they're making the decision is though to imply we're kind of auto, automatons, robots just wandering through the world in a kind of daydream of habituation of these this woven together fabric of habituation that we call ourselves, even though everything we do is mostly uh, it's habit. It's coded a bit, yes. So you're saying that there is no essentially free will when you break it down and break it down. It is kind of your coding that would make you 
do shitty things. Well, you you know, when you look out at the at the uh, Hubble Deep Field Telescope images and you see stars exploding and the no doubt if you believe that there's life in the universe you out in that there there's some there's probably little alien babies getting raped by aliens or it's probably everywhere <laughs> when you look out at that all you see is just beauty and perfection and the reason is because you're looking at the macro and not the micro and when you zoom down here in the micro certainly you don't want there to be child rapes and you don't want there to be um, anything awful, any rapes for that matter. You want it to be a, a, a perfect place, but here in the micro, the way that we perceive it, there's this chaotic element. I don't, I, number one, I can't believe that I'm sitting here trying to. Uh, <laughs> You're justifying childhood. I'm not just, trying to, I'm trying to, it's, this is the age old idea of evil in the universe. And, and And I have noticed that to, to address the topic, you always have to create these phantasms. You know, you either create the child rapist or the starving African child, or you create some phantasm that hopefully you haven't encountered. Uh, but then if you really look at what's happening right now, then you just experience this beautiful world that you're in. Right. See, here's my, yes, I agree with you on that. I think there's an idea of time is human time. Like, this philosopher Boethius had the idea of two different times, God's time and human time. And in God's time, it's one infinite, long fucking thing. And in that realm, everything is perfect, right? Yes. In that realm. My, I guess if you define God as omniscient and omnipotent, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, and all-good, I think that's the argument. If he's all-good, then how can this bad shit Go down, but he's not all good because Ooh, there's, there we go. But because there's child rapists and child rapists right. are a part of God. So we could then say that God is not just the. Look at the picture of. Have you ever seen the picture of Kali? Yes. So look at the picture like of her. Kali, which represents. I do too. Uh, and uh, if you look at the, um, uh, she's wearing a necklace of heads. Yes. And the heads represent the de- gods that she's decapitated all the gods. And so she's the thing that's holding, that's like around the samsaric mandala that's eating the whole fucking thing. It doesn't, ca- Kali doesn't care about your idea of good and bad. The, for- the ocean doesn't care about the idea of good and bad. The child rapist doesn't care about the idea of good or bad. They're all part of the same aspect of the universe that destroys and... Um, uh, uh, it, it transforms and rots and mm. takes changed. It's change, or it's right. co- it's, it's destruction. Re- it's destruction, decay, birth again. The cycle and the cycles have no judgment. The it's, goons. Do you know? Have you ever heard the gunas? Have you ever heard of the mm, gunas? Mm-mm. So in, it's the idea that there's three modes of the material universe: the mode of ignorance, the mode of uh, passion and the mode of goodness and everything gets broken up into those three modes the mode of ignorance is um, in nature would be uh, a trash heap or skid row or um, a ro- place where bodies are rotting like a, a charnel ground uh, in the mode of passion is the city and is a place where people are actively pers- it's the marketplace it's people trying to like become big we're doing things yeah, man that, right that's the mode of passion and the mode of goodness is uh <clears throat> you know the forest or a nice meadow or um 
a, a peaceful home. So that's the mode of goodness. And so these are the modes of material nature and the interaction of these three modes is what controls all of human life. So you'll see images of the three modes as puppeteers, puppeteering people. Uh, and, and it's the, essentially mm. the tidal current of uh, life. And those, so those are the modes of material nature. And uh, the, those three modes represent perfection, but individually you could see that only that they all lead to they can all lead to deeper suffering even the mode of goodness absolutely because then you're trying to be that ideal and that doesn't work so i guess what i'm taking away from this one is i have to accept the shittiness more and i think i've been denying the shittiness the shittiness in me the shittiness in others i'm going through something now with uh with somebody that's very shitty and i'm having a hard time coming from a loving place i'm trying yeah. to find love and i'm trying to stay equanimous right that's the big word equanimous yes. meaning um, my sense of calm that that really is the most you can have in life is a peaceful mind and when you go through problems with people or professional things or whatever the fuck that can really ruin your sense of calm if you allow it mm-hmm. to and i guess that's the big struggle right is keeping keeping your peace of mind above and that god guy Kept, he looks like he's chilling. He's keeping his peace of mind. Yeah, you know he did. Yeah, he he did. And the people who were around him, they they felt that thing that we all want, which is a feeling of like love for everything. Yeah. Somehow being around him made them feel like that. Uh, but when it comes to difficult personalities, yes, and and anger issues. Oh, my mother has a difficult person. My mother is a mentally ill nutcase, and I have a very hard time forgiving her for that. Even though it's not her fault, I still have. A lot of anger. Well, it's a you know they call this an inside job, which means that the the, <laughs> the you know the the idea is to work on yourself, and, so that you can help the people around you. And instead of because you want to be that way, doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean you should be that way. And so, I you know I um you I have like ang- I'll get angry sometimes, really fucking angry, and uh, and explode. And usually the people I love the most, it'll come out of me. And I'm getting better at it. But uh, I still, when it happens and I'm applying mindfulness to it, I realize that I have to figure out a way to love this thing while not, while not, I have to figure out a way to love it without, like, accepting it, without letting it, Mm. uh, without, you know, giving myself, oh, I love it, so I'll be angry whenever I want. I have to, like, Mm. figure out a way to, like, love it while simultaneously not embodying it. And somehow from that, it it will reduce, hopefully it will help reduce that kind of way of uh, uh, behaving. Um, it's one. It's like a. It's like one of the karmic aspects. It's it's an aspect of my life that, uh, that is there for me to grow. It's there for me. It's a gift given to me by the universe so that I have something to, uh, to it teaches me. It's my guru. I don't mm. get to, it's one of my gurus. And the idea that um, our gurus come to us in the form of Maharaji. I'm so glad you said this. And Upu gurus. I've heard of the Upu, is that how you say it? Upu guru? I don't know. Upu guru? It's the idea that people come to you for a time and a season to teach you yes. and then go forward. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so when you look at these inner problems that you may have 
anger, whatever it may be, and you start recognizing them as your teacher disguising mm. him or herself as some internal structure that you're working on, or if you have a difficult personality in your life, and you think about them not as the person that you've identified them as, which is just a projection anyway. You don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. You're just projecting your own assembled notion of who they are because you don't know who you are. If you don't know who you are, how the fuck are you going to know who anyone else is? Of You're course. projecting this on them. So the next time you find yourself around them, you could think, oh, I'm looking at a mirror. Here I am seeing a mirror of some part of myself that I haven't accepted or I'm having problems with. Here is my guru wearing the wow. wearing the costume of an enemy. And uh, how is he teaching me or how is she teaching me right right now? Because if you didn't have that quality in you that you didn't like and that you don't accept, you wouldn't even pick it up in somebody else. Meaning if you're obsessed with baldness, right? You go, well, so-and-so doesn't have hair. But whereas I'm not concerned with hair loss, therefore I don't even really notice when somebody's bald. Oh God, when my hair started falling out, (laughs) I started immediately noticing varying hair, uh, like hair, like how much hair is when I had a little hair. And now that I've accepted it, I don't see it anymore. But when I was going through the accepting the fact that I'm getting older, it's just going to happen. Then somehow in the course of that, the thing that I was noticing everywhere vanished from the world. And this is the essence of it, hmm. which is that the the uh, we, when I, I go to these meditation retreats and I was uh, Ooh, you got to tell me what uh, well there are these great ones in Hawaii that Ramdas does and I go to them and uh, one of the big spiritual moments of my life was uh, Krishna Das who's this beautiful kirtan you know Krishna mm-hmm. Das he's yep. playing it's beautiful it's so powerful I was super stoned walking through the this kirtan and, and people are dancing and someone's like why don't you dance and i like sn- you know was snarky and was like not in this incarnation like, I'm like and i sat down with that kind of which like, is like a funny meditation retreat joke yeah like, it's a meditation <laughs> i just doing meditation retreat humor even worse that was but rad. then like i sat down in a chair and i hear this the echo of me saying that in my right. head because i'm stoned and it's echoing around and then i think like what 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 kind of person am I that doesn't want to dance to this kind of music? And why am I limiting myself in that way? And then somehow in this like uncovering this, the, the way my ego was holding me back from experiencing joy, uh, I was able to follow it all the way down into my heart. And suddenly I saw myself. I saw myself for the first time. And, and, and I realized that I am the person I try to avoid in real life. Oh, no! <laughs> You're that guy. You, yeah. You're that guy, right? Yeah. Now. I, wow. I, I, I yeah. Want, yeah. So I'm yeah. the guy I don't like. I'm yeah. the guy that I'm the guy with that is the That's has deep, the bro. kind of hipstery. Yeah. You know, when I listen to NPR and some guy comes on who sounds kind of <laughs> effeminate with a hipstery voice and he's like trying to be really smart, I'm like, fuck this asshole. Of course. And so, of course. So that the so the more that I work on embracing that guy wow uh, the less that I am bothered by that guy in the world and the less I run into that guy see and that's interesting because my battle with my mother is that she's she's a borderline so she's very con- contentiousness it's it's always push pull fighting if there's always a fight and this other person that I'm having this issue now is a contentious person right and I keep attracting these these types until I resolve 
that issue, right? Yeah. If, until you get the dust off the projector, you're going to see the dust on every... Whoa, that's deep, pro- man. That's it. The <laughs> dust is on the projector. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And then when the dust is gone, suddenly... And that's the exciting thing because it's the idea... To, to bring it back to what we were talking about in the beginning, as above, so below. Mm. So what that means is as our internal universe transforms, yes. then our external universe starts transforming. And that is the most exciting thing. Because in Buddhism, when they asked in the story, there's a great story about Buddha where they asked him, what are you? Uh, are you a Are you a god? Because apparently you would get around him and, you know, you would be instantaneously transformed by whatever his radiant, super awakened aura was. And he said, no, I'm not a god. And they're like, well, are you a magician? It's like, no, I'm not a magician. They're like, well, what are you? He said, I'm awake. And the idea that, Mm. and this is in the Bible, uh, Jesus says, you must die to this world to come to know me. And this recurring theme pops up in all religions. Yes, that's which is the, the crazy part. It pops up everywhere in everywhere. human beings, whether whether you're Islam or whatever the fuck. It's it's in everything. It's all the same story. Right. Go ahead. And that is a very exciting idea. <sighs> so Have you ever crazy. had a lucid dream? Yeah, all the time, every night. Do you know how exciting that is in the dream when you realize you're dreaming? <laughs> every night. But yes, yes, I am very, my Yes. It's a it's cool crazy. moment. It's a cool moment. You're in the dream. Suddenly you realize you're in a dream. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. It's so fun because now you're in a dream and you suddenly can fly. You can, yes, uh, you can control do, it. You control the world. So in the same way, it's such an exciting idea to realize that that identical phenomena is possible in this incarnation where you think you're limited. You can wake up here too, just like you can in a dream and you can start lucid living and living in the moment and living as an awakened being, which is why the term awakened always comes up because Mm. it's somebody who's recognizing that this thing we're in right now is actually an incredibly beautiful and perfect place but the blindfolds and filters that have been placed on us by the world and that we've placed on ourselves are tenting and changing the world into a place of trouble and sorrow because you get wrapped up in the drama it's a melodrama yes it's a melodrama and either you realize that you're playing the part of duncan trussell comedian podcaster in this world and you're just you're burning off this karma or you can really get in it and get panicky and shitty right that's damn right <laughs> and you could and it's it's compared to threading a necklace so of beads and every moment you're putting the beads you're actually weaving your life onto this necklace because you're the creating the bead after the next bead and the next bead after the next bead or another way to look at it is what you're doing here in this moment is going to move exactly into the next version of you that happens is this universe if you picture the universe as a thing that is in every moment Every moment, what this is, ha- what's happening right now, is being dissolved into nothingness as it moves into the past, and uh, what is a, no- a non-existent potentiality is gushing into this present moment, and that's happening at every single second. The universe is being destroyed and recreated. Then you begin to realize that in every single moment, you are literally the universe creating itself again and again and again and again. And again. Isn't that badass? It's fucking crazy. So you can start giving gifts to yourself in the future. So what oh. you start doing is uh, and anytime you don't get drunk, anytime you exercise, anytime you oh. clean, yeah. anytime you eat healthy food, anytime you
time you tell someone that you haven't that you need to tell that you love them that you love them what you're doing is you're sending an energy down that necklace to the next version of yourself and the next version of yourself and those versions of yourself if they pitch in and start working on the same project then this great ball of positivity starts rolling through time and you're the thing pushing it through time you're the thing that's so you're saying simultaneous lifetimes if we're talking about re- is I mean like reincarnation like the, all the potential all the lives of Duncan Trussell or the soul that's incarnated yeah. of you yeah, it comes together. That's it, creates. man. Exactly. You're doing that right. Yeah. And that's Whoa, so forget reincarnating like when I die, I'm going to be at whatever. Think about the fact that in every single moment you're dying and being reborn. Mm. And then then you realize that, oh, shit, waking up means just giving gifts to the future versions of myself. This is all a thought experiment. Oh, I like it, though. It's a thought experiment. I like Clearly, it. it's all this is a way of. <laughs> yeah, cool. I like it. So. One thing was I going to ask. Do you think you can choose your incarnations? Do you have a say in that? It's just what we're talking about right now. You you can pick what you're going to be like tomorrow uh, by the decisions that you're going to make today. And so the gulf of sleep that is a, another form of death, you're going to die tonight. Everyone dies every single night, and you're going to be reborn in the morning. And you can, starting right now at this second, alter what that future incarnation is going to be. If you start... Right now at this moment, if you start, uh, if there's something you want, like for me, I want to get more in shape. So every day I try to run or walk a a bunch. And um, I know that if I keep doing this, then there will be a future version of me, an incarnation of Mm. me that's going to be healthier than I am right now. So if that's the case, and if you want to believe that there is a soul or that the mind is not, the body isn't necessary for for consciousness then it seems like that same principle would apply after the great gulf of physical death and that the thing, the momentum that you had accrued through positive or what in Buddhism is called right livelihood, the, the momentum that you had accrued through trying to in every single moment love yourself so that you could love the people around you, forgiving yourself as a practice, uh, staying hydrated, eating mm-hmm. well. If you, you, then it would make sense that that momentum could. If you do believe that we sort of bounce into some other incarnation, then that momentum would continue, and our incarnation I might be one where we are born into a family of people who are trying to wake up, and that's considered Ooh, that to be a be great. great. Yeah. Oh man, I hope I get that next time. I got some immigrant parents. Get, yeah, right. Jesus Christ. But you, you, you're right. But but if you apply what we were talking about earlier. And imagine that those aren't immigrant parents. Yes, those are your my teachers, gurus. My, my gurus, yes. Wearing the clothes of immigrant parents. Of and course. then suddenly you're like, holy shit, everything around me is actually <laughs> a professor who has been placed here by a being that loves me so much that this entire universe has been created and populated with teachers who are here to allow me the incredible ecstasy of waking up to my true identity. That's an exciting <sighs> universe to be in. Whoa, man. You just but you realize you just summarized that perfectly. Oh. That was perfect. Now, Duncan, how did you get to be so goddamn enlightened? Who I, are you? <laughs> I wanted. I should have asked this like an hour ago. I'm not enlightened. Who the fuck are you? How did you get here? Oh. Where, literally, where are you from? Let's just start. I don't even know where you're from. Well, I'm from North Carolina, and my family traveled around a bunch, and my mom was into this stuff, and so my mom introduced it to me when I was younger. And uh, But then, you know, I like... I had a lot of crazy shit happen to me. I got cancer. One of my balls got chopped off. My mom died. And uh, all of those those things um, 
were such a fucking gift. And so when you, when, and really a gift, not like trying to rationalize the brutality of the universe, but literally like my life was given to me uh, by the uh, experience of my own mortality and knowing that, I, that I'm going to die for real. Like, I'm not immortal, and I know you're just supposed to know that, but somehow I didn't. And then from my mom dying, you know, that's, it's so amazing that your parents give you the gift of life, and then that's the first great gift they give you. And then another great gift they give you is their own death, because in their death they give you the greatest of teachings, and they show you the impermanence of the universe. I think those two things really helped wow. me a lot. When are you going to start, um, like, a guruship? What, I mean, when are you going to be at the next guru? I feel like I need a picture of you in my oh, podcast no, room. Oh, no. I, the, the, um, I, you know, I, th- I like talking about this stuff, but... Um, these guys that ever, you know, like Neem Kerli Baba, they, uh, Maharaji, they, they're, you know, there's a lot of great ways that they've been described. And my friend Raghu, who runs Ram Dass's foundation, he's met a few awakened people. And he said that it's like you're not around a human. It's like you're around, he said there's this woman in India, I can't remember her name, she's a saint. And... He was walking, and she walked up to him and smiled. And it's like being around – our minds use whatever – so our minds use symbols to explain things. And so don't take the symbol the wrong way. When I say alien, I mean, like, imagine if you contacted some higher intelligence or an advanced consciousness. I think it's like coming in contact with that. They're not – human anymore they died i can't remember which i never remember like they're in this world but not of this world they're keyholes they're not humans anymore they're keyholes that you can look through Hmm. into infinity and that's what what they are so those those beings are they're out there but uh there's no way that i mean i just laid in bed and smoked weed this morning. I'm really excited about playing Shadows of Mordor, a video game. <laughs> I think it's a full day. I, I like think it. A few days ago, I was in a terrible <laughs> fight with my my girlfriend, who I'm so so in love with, but saying awful things and watching myself say them. So it's like holy fucking shit. There is, yeah. I know you didn't really mean it either, but sometimes I think people hear me say these things and then think that that they they do say, when are you going to start the cult? It's like fuck a cult. I don't like the. I think cult is a negative, a pejorative term for. But I do think you have something valuable to say, and I think there's a reason that everybody, a lot of people, reached out to me about getting you on this podcast because you, you are kind of in that lane of like, where did Duncan Trussell come from? <laughs> like, wh- how do you know this shit? And how do you? Do you think it was being? And I mean, you did, yeah. You suffered a, 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 an illness, and then your mother passes away. So did a lot of acid. You did. A, I've done. Yo, acid's great for that. Well, which was the '60s. So those guys you were referring to at the beginning of the podcast, you had these Harvard professors. Like, was it Timothy Leary? Yeah. Ramdas. I don't know what his people name his is. His name was Richard Alpert. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you know, I, I think it's really important, and I think we live in an age of this new emergent truth, which is that everyone is this consciousness everyone can connect with uh it in their own way and everyone can express it and articulate it in a in a in in their own way and i think that that is the big message is that it's like that anyone the stuff when i start saying these things any 
I think we're all the exact same thing, and it's fun to play the game where, <laughs> oh, how do you do that when you know just as well as I do that you're that thing, and anyone listening is that thing, and everyone is that but thing. But people don't, and you people don't. There are some people that are caught. I was one of those people. I did not know, let's say, five years ago that I would be a completely different person. I wasn't right. aware of any of this. I mean, I had an inkling. I studied philosophy, but I didn't know that my mind was this powerful in a sense that you could like, whoa, dude, what? Like I had already been blown away by Western philosophy and then to go down this rabbit hole, man, I thought existentialism was a mind fucker. This is an even bigger mind Bigger mind fucker. And this is why Chogim Trumpa in the beginning of a book that you should definitely read Mm. called uh, uh, Spiritual Materialism. He, uh, he, he He says, don't go... If you if don't go down this path if you can help it. He says <laughs> yeah. He says don't do it because once you start going, once you start waking up, you're going to keep waking up. It's like that you know like when you're asleep and you in the morning and there is you start waking up and then you're like I'm just going to sleep a little bit longer and you can fall back asleep, but you know if you like let yourself wake up too much you're not going back yep. to sleep. Yeah. So it's the idea of, of that, no, just enjoy the nice, warm, comfortable bed of illusion that you're existing in. Allow yourself the feeling uh, that you are, that there is no such thing as impermanence and all everyone that you love is going to be around forever and everything that you, that you have now, you're going to keep having. You're not going to get <laughs> old and you're not going to get sick and you're not going to die. No, you're a, you're, you're a young, beautiful being that's always going to live like this enjoy that Mm. what a fun dream enjoy that dream for as long as you can but then you're going to start waking up Mm. and it's and it might be the moment you start waking up might be uh when you come in contact with like ramdas or a guru or uh it might be when you are sitting across from a doctor who's like yeah the test came back and as it turns out you have six months to live or it might be when you're in the last moments of life dying from some surprise event and realize that every single thing that you know is about to dissolve into nothingness, those are all forms of waking up. So you're going to do it no matter what. It's just how do you want to do it? When do you want to do it? There's no rush. Anyone can do it. But if if you decide to start reading about Buddhism especially, Mm. just know that it's like drinking coffee. (laughs) It's it's like waking up in the morning and having some nice black tea. You're not going to quite be able to go back. Now, you might still be a dick, and you might fall back into habitual habitual patterns. You might still be an alcoholic. You might still be a shithead. Whatever it is, you're still always going to have the connection to that moment when you... um, uh, realized or mm. recognized uh, that uh, the universe is impermanent, the life is suffering, the cause of your suffering is your attachment to the notion of permanence or more your attachment to form or your attachment to your identity. Or the outcome, the attachment to a desired outcome. I want yes. it to be this way. Why isn't it this way? That's why. That's when you get bummed. When you get depressed, when you get angry. And that's when you're expecting your gurus to look a certain way. And the moment you stop expecting your guru to look like a a happy guy in a blanket and start realizing (laughs) that your guru looks like an Indian doctor in Beverly Hills who tells you that you have death (laughs) in your balls... 
is that is that who told you? Is yeah. that the guy? Yeah. And wow. when and, and or, or your guru is the moment that you um, your mom calls and says that the cancer's in her liver and there's probably only a few months to live. The moment that the guru comes to you and tells you that you have Ebola, the moment that the guru comes to you or whatever the thing it is, you realize that this is the teaching we're at right now. St- stick with that and then you will realize that the instant you 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 have allowed yourself the moment of converting the experience of horror into teaching that the universe shifts and now you're in this beautiful school you'll start feeling like you're at fucking hogwarts <laughs> you know you'll start know. feeling like you're you've been gifted a universe you have you've been given a university that is emerged in time and space where the teachers are made of uh, star particles that's crazy. We're being taught by clouds of star particles how to love. What is more trippy than that? Now, let me ask you this. Once you know all this, once you know, how do you do anything? I mean, how do you, how do you keep doing stand-up comedy? For instance, I, I use stand-up because I think the minute I've kind of gone down this rabbit hole, I was like, whoa. Wait, why am I chasing this again? And mm. what's my reason? Why am I doing this? You know, you start to question your motives behind many things that you just kind of did. Yeah. How do you like? How do you do anything? I mean, that—that's what they say. Like blue babies are in Buddhism. The, maybe the soul didn't want to evolve. It didn't need to evolve any further in that incarnation. And sometimes, because if you're such an evolved being, you don't necessarily have the wants of. Food, sex, blah, 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 blah. And so you, that incarnation dies. So how do you, Duncan Trussell, you've stared down the beast, man. You've come face to face with death. I would love an excuse to quit stand-up, but it's definitely not this. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, too. Oh, it's the worst. It's fun to, it's fun to, um, to, it, it it, it doesn't mean that you have, that you're going to stop anything or start anything. It just is a, a, it makes everything sweeter. It's not like you're, and but not. It makes everything sweeter. And even in stand up, again, if you, if you if you find yourself on stage and you realize that the audience is the guru, mm. and that you are getting to sit at the feet of your guru and um, and make your guru laugh, and that you're getting this like the gestalt or this this the audience is this one consciousness that you are serving in that moment. And they're your teacher. And sometimes just like like Maharaji or like any great guru, they will like whack you either literally like in Buddhism. There's all kinds of teachings of like a Buddhist master just smacking a disciple Mm -hmm. and and the disciple waking up from that moment. The audience will do that for you from time to time. The audience will adjust your ego or the audience will point to places where you need to work. So I don't think it means stopping anything. I think it just means um, uh, it helps you. Uh, look at the universe in a, in a new way. So you're not in this boring, calcified universe that's just these old projections that you keep throwing on everything. You get to, you get the, at least the hope that there is the potential for pure novelty, unlike anything you ever expected, and that that at any moment can come exploding into your life, and you can be, as they say, born again. Whoa, dude! <laughs> well, that you know what that is, Duncan. What? That's deep, bro. <laughs> That's deep, bro. We fucking did it. Um, we did it. 
I mean, this is, I feel like this, I hope this is just part one of many discussions. If oh, I may me too. come back, I would uh, love to do this again. I would love it. And I want, please, I hope you'll come on my podcast so we can have one of these discussions. Let's do it. Let's Beautiful. blow it up. Thank love you it. so much. Thank you. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.